Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. How's it going, everybody? This is the Famous Dead People podcast, the only podcast that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. We're the only one. Everyone else are haters and imitators. Uh, you heard it here first. So this episode today, you're, it's great. You're about to hear. Uh, I interviewed iconic horror actor Vincent Price and 17th century French playwright Moliere. Fascinating talk as per usual. Uh, don't forget you can always check out the Fresh Eps every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn the day they come out. Hit us up at FamousDeadPeople at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Question, comments, requests, anything. I'd love to hear from you guys. I'm just sitting here refreshing the inbox, just getting sadder and sadder every time there's not an email. Uh, buy my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is out now. It is hilarious. I'm super proud of it. Uh, rate and review the podcast. Leave a comment. Tell your friends. All that stuff helps us out a ton to reach new audience members. Uh, we're climbing up the charts, guys. This is a pretty cool last uh last three months we've all been we've been growing listeners so thank you for uh for your help out there if you are talking about the show uh but i guess for now sit back relax and enjoy moliere and vincent price only on famous dead people, famous dead people. it's time famous dead people. time to start the show famous dead people, famous dead people. Oh, you know, famous dead people, famous dead people, famous stories stuck in the heads. You're gonna hear awful from me, and so all these people are dead. My guests today on Famous Dead People are 20th century American actor known for his iconic work in the horror genre, Vincent Price. Hello. And 17th century playwright and poet widely regarded as one of the greatest writers in the French language, Jean-Baptiste Poquelin. Or as he is more commonly known, Moliere, uh, Mr. Moliere. Holy shit! <laughs> oh, excited to be here. Are oh, you uh, yes. Moliere? Were you just uh, jazzed to know that you are commonly referred to as one of the greatest writers in the French language? You never get tired of hearing about it. Of course. Um, Congratulations! Oh yes, <laughs> a heavy crown to be bestowed upon someone. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you see, you just walk down the street and people wave at you, say, "Hey." Make room for one of the greatest writers of all time. In the French, wow, in the French yeah. language. Uh, Mr. Moliere, Mr. Price, thank you so much for joining us here on Famous Dead People. You're welcome, Jared. Uh, so I'd like to start off with you, Mr. Price, mm-hmm. if I may. Oh, so, you sure can. So you made a name for yourself as an icon of horror films. It really seems like you leaned into it. Like it didn't seem <sighs> like it didn't seem like you were bothered by no. your name being synonymous with horror films. Uh, but you appeared in over a hundred films in your career, not all of them were horror movies, obviously, was becoming a horror icon something that you did consciously or did it just sort of happen and you accepted it and enjoyed it? It kind of fell into my lap. Mm-hmm. And I must say it was um, quite titillating for oh. me because horror is something that scares the everyday man. And I'm not an everyday man, I'll be honest. I'm pretty eccentric, but horror is the genre that moves us forward. Horror is the genre that moves us forward. Yes, it scares us and it makes us do things that improve our standing with on this planet and it moves humanity forward. It makes us want to take care of each other and, uh, you know... It makes us want to protect ourselves from from the the bad things. This guy's got a boner for the scares. (laughs) Oh, yes. I have a boner most of the time. There's that classic classic Moliere wit. Yeah, that was very poetic. I just... I just came up with it and I said it. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of how I wrote. Why not? Wow. Yeah. yeah, I can see what you're going for here, Mr. Price, where, you know, a person goes into a horror movie, they, uh, you know, they, they get scared and yes. it kind of reminds them mm. of what's important in their life. And they're like, hey, you know, any day I could be attacked by a monster. Yes. I could be, I could be, uh, a you know, trekked through the woods by a serial killer. It's important that that I I do all the things that I'm meant to do. That I tell the people that I love that I love them. Yes. Is that what you're saying, Mr. Price? Yes, it's um, I I want people to run to the ones they love and embrace each other because they're scared. But that's hug. That's love. That's mm-hmm. two two fleshy humans. If I can interacting. If yes. I can sort of illustrate my own understanding of what you're both trying to say, it's okay. sort of like. Get off the couch and sign up for that cooking class because <laughs> you might get murdered by a serial killer. Someday. Yes, that's probably that's kind of 
yeah. what you're saying. That's, that's, that's yes, it's beautiful. That's exactly, it's you're the only one that's ever really understood me. <laughs> Grab <laughs> life by the cooking cooking class. That yeah, should I go on it. a that should go on a throw pillow. I like that. Oh yes, throw pillows. I have many of those in my mansion. Do you Ooh. put uh, Vincent Price? Do you put uh, sayings on your throw pillow? Oh, or, many, many, oh, many sayings. I have my favorite saying is spook. Ooh, just spook. Yeah. Just spook. Is there, oh, is there listen an, to that is word. There exclamation point on that. Yes, on the pillow. Yes, that very emphasized. Spook. Wow. Well, we know the first horror movie that you did, but obviously there were a lot of non-horror movies after that. Mm. Uh, can you tell us, like, when, like, what was the tipping point for you, where you're doing all kinds of movies, yes. and then at some point it's like, if you're making a horror movie, there's one guy you go to, and it's mm. Vincent Price. I must say that the tipping point for me. Was the pit and the pendulum? Have either of you seen it? The pit and the pendulum. As a child, yes. As I a child, great. Were you scared? Were you spooked as a child? Um. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that. Uh, oh man, the, the glee that, on your face, knowing that a child was scared yeah. by the pit and the yes, pendulum. Scared that, children. That blade just got closer and closer. And that That's, was the thing. That's what right. titillated me was that I was the one controlling the blade, the pendulum. I was swinging it back and forth, and as it got closer to my victims' throats. Oh, the joy I felt. Wow. So mm, you, were fe- you were feeling an innate joy in making that movie and making that horror film. Mm, yes. And did that coincide with the general sort of like the public zeitgeist recognizing you as like, oh, this is his thing and we're going to continue putting him in things oh, like Oh, yes. That. I mean, after that, I had much fan mail saying, Sir Vincent Price, if you could come over here and hold a knife to my throat, I would be honored. Sorry, people were actually asking you to do like horror scenarios yes. in their homes, really? Oh, so many people. And it got it got overwhelming because, you know, I, I as an actor, that was what I did. I would scare people, but people really wanted me to come over to their house and wake them up in the middle of the night with an axe over their head. How crazy is that? <laughs> that is that is 100% bizarre. Did yes. you ever sounds accommodate? Like easy, sounds like easy money. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, it, it was. I, I didn't quite need the money at that time, but, you know, why not take it? I, I didn't like prostituting my services out, but, you know, if, if it, and I'll do anything for the fans. Of course, mm. of course. It's, all, it's about the love of the game. It's about the love of the fans. Yes, love of the game. That Respect. was like... That was like pre-Comic-Con and stuff. So poor you. You could have just gotten your fans service out during Comic-Con. Yes. You had so to many, like scare people. That's yeah. a thing. I, it's one thing I regret is not going to the Comic-Con, setting uh, up my own booth with my own, you know, my pendulum swinging over a head or an Iron Maiden to play sure. small children and to spook them again. Yeah. <laughs> and your assistant sitting next to you is looking at their phone saying, okay, we, we got to go. All right. Mm-hmm. Next, yeah. next, next yeah, show. Yeah, we got a long right. line. We got a lot of people yeah. here eager to see Mr. Price. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, now, Moliere, a couple of related sure. questions. So number one, you know, you were obviously very active in the theater scene in France in the 17th century. Oh, oh I love the stage. Were, yeah. were there any equivalent um, fan requests, easy money requests, or Comic-Con type things for your community back then? 17th century France, well, you know. Well, I guess I, you know, I would get paid to uh, make a toast at a fancy party here and there. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. just fancy toast and then out. So know? these are people that you don't know. No. And so you would have to, like, write something about these people. That's right. Okay. Mm. And, um, and like, what, what what would your strategy be then if this is, like, a, somebody that you're not familiar with? How would you, how would you go about toasting them? Oh, well, I would, um, you know, interview their friends and then pretty much just say what their the nice things their friends said about oh. it. It was pretty easy. Can you give us a taste? Can you give us a little bit of uh of, of one of the speeches that you gave, one of these paid for Moliere speeches? Oh, sure. All right. Um, you know, just randomly. Okay. Hey, it's you know, hey, it's Elizabeth it's Elizabeth's birthday. Huh? 50, a big one, right? Oh, geez. But you know, when I think about Elizabeth, everybody loves her cooking, am I right? She enjoys food a little bit too much, uh, you know, uh, you know that, that kind of stuff. That's great. Wow, yeah. that's wonderful. The pomp and that. Yeah, oh, right. Wow, that is beautiful. So poetic. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about your career, uh, sure, Monsieur Moliere. Uh, so, as a player, you did some tragedies, but uh, your mm. greatest successes were your comedies, the farces. They had elements of Commedia dell'arte, ridiculous cartoonish characters, mocking the upper class, mocking religion, mistaken identities, hijinks, etc. 
Uh, but you were born to a prosperous bourgeois family. I have to imagine that that silliness was not a common trait among the upper class at that time. Is that a fair uh, assessment? Is that a fair? Jared, I didn't laugh until I was 11 years old. Really? Oh, That's right. How horrible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was, uh, you know, it was a very stoic upbringing. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to, uh, all of your silverware had to be in the perfect place. Not even on the table. Oh, right. You'd sometimes, yeah, have to go and check to make sure your silverware was put away properly. It was Interesting. that. Yeah. Well, what would to... happen when your silverware wasn't aligned properly? Usually lashings. Oh, oh, yes. oh yeah. <laughs> well, I have to imagine that a family as well off as yours would have servants that would take care of placing the silverware and polishing the silverware, that sort of thing. Well, you know, there wasn't a lot to do back then. Okay. So mm. you... Like our entertainment really was chores. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you were fun. telling like, me earlier, oh, yeah. out before we started recording, that you had yes. to clean the dungeon a lot, and I I love dungeons to be honest. Oh. Oh, you had a dungeon growing up, Moliere. Well, it was kind of a, a a storage space, but it was we did have. Sometimes we were chaining up oh. down there. Yeah, oh. chained up people in your dungeon. Well, it was usually the help who were mm. you know being a little. Uh, you know, needed to be punished. Oh, yes. I yeah. had, I dealt with many production assistants. Oh, yeah, yeah. Should be severely punished. Did yeah. you, did you used to do horror punishments for your production assistants yes. on films? Vincent we had a, I had a coffin at each one of my movies that if I felt someone on the, the cast or crew had disobeyed something I said, because I had power on set. Wow. They had to sit in the coffin for 20 horrific minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Could be relaxing, but yeah, it could be torture as well. Yeah, like I yeah. did, I did a sensor deprivation tank once, and that was pretty nice. Oh, you know? yes. and that was for almost a full hour. Well, you know, in back in my day, a dungeon was a sensory deprivation tank. Mm. You're just sort of like hanging there. It's mm-hmm. dark. You you can hear drips and stuff like that. Mm, drips. But, uh, you know, it is very meditative. That well, was actually, you know, we didn't have spas back then mm-hmm. to relax. You just chain yourself up in a drafty basement there's no better place to find your inner chi than a dungeon yeah that's right but i just find it so hard to believe that you didn't laugh even as a baby is there something that your stoic bourgeois family would do to suppress just the childish glee of of an innocent babe if yeah if uh as a baby growing up in my house if you uh, even so much as crack a smile, you get slapped in the face. Oh, I really? Love it. Or even, yeah, <laughs> or even gazing at something sort of like, you know how babies have that sort of like, oh, wow, it's, oh, curio- curiosity. Mm-hmm. Childlike wonder. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's the phrase, curiosity killed the baby. Right. That was not a phrase. I, I'd get my, mm, yes, it was. I'd get my nose plugged mm-hmm. if I was starting to like. Starting get, to get it, curious it, about yeah. things. Let's mm. just be. Proper doll. I think dolls is really what my parents wanted. Oh, just maybe a haunted creepy doll. thing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, I wanted yeah, to different ask time, you, different time. Different time. So, were any of your plays then uh, inspired by your pre-theater life among the privileged class? Like while you were in school, while you were starting to be a lawyer or anything, did you ever like take something from that period of life and go, "That I will lampoon later when I am a playwright." Uh, yeah, absolutely. I don't know if you're familiar with my play, um, Sad Baby, uh, Serious Lawyer. Sad, oh. sad Baby, Serious Lawyer. The most horrific thing in the universe. Yeah. Uh, serious Lawyer. <laughs> I was really, I took elements of my own life and I was sort of just sort of illustrating, you know, mm-hmm. where sad babies end up. Oh, it's yes. just like, you know, sad the sad Adults. baby too. Now this is careers, yeah. this is incredible. Like this is not one of the plays that we are familiar with of yours. There is a period. Oh, that's of, not one of your. That's not one. Of that's your not favorites. one that I have. Oh, okay. No, that we. I don't think we have it. There's a period of twelve years. Oh yeah. Um, that we we only have some of some of your work from and where you're writing plays and touring around the provinces. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm assuming that. Uh, uh, sad baby, serious, serious lawyer, lawyer mm. was one of those plays that you were doing out in the provinces. That was a hit. That really took us out on the road for that was like a solid six years of that twelve. Six years mm, you yeah. were just, just doing... doing, yeah, sad baby serious. Wow. Lawyer. Can you tell us any of the plot of a uh, sad baby serious lawyer? So a child is born. Okay, but that's not even that's we don't even get there yet. Oh, it's it's really the tension. It's really the the courtship of the family that ends up making a baby, 
We really only see Lawyer for the last five minutes. So oh, that's wow. sort of like the Do you ever classic. see the baby? Uh, not really, no. <laughs> wow. It's just sort of like, you know, we meet the parents and then it's we do fast forward five years later. Mm, it's wow. more stories about like, what a horrible child this was. Mm-hmm. It was rough. It was, it was like, you know, gosh, it's rough to be a new parent. Oh, That's yes. really what the play is about. Interesting. Mm. There's okay. nothing more horrific than a child with dirty, messy hands. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I yeah. See, mm. I mean, I can see I can see a one-to-one where, uh, sure. you know, like we're lampooning your uh, your your child your childhood by yeah, making yeah, maybe yeah. a sarcastic play about how hard it is to be a parent. Right. Like, I can see that. And it, well, it was also a lot of like, you know, the dad talking about his career and the mother talking about what it's like to be a, a housewife. It was actually more lecture than play. Mm, interesting. But, uh, yeah. I'm sure it was back then you could probably get away with like a loose definition, you know, like it was it, very experimental. Yeah. yeah. Mm, and people, experiments. you know, people in yeah. France, they're very open-minded. That's uh, right. If you're just joining us, this is famous dead people on radio free Brooklyn. And my guests today are 17th century French playwright and poet Moliere. Happy to be here. And tw- iconic 20th century American horror actor Vincent Price. Hello. <laughs> uh, let's go back to Vincent Price for just a moment. So your first horror film was Tower of London mm. uh, with, with Boris Karloff. Oh, yes, Boris. Doesn't sound scary, but... Uh... Uh, yeah, can you, can you tell us anything about that movie? Do you remember yeah. anything about, uh, about the plot of Tower of London with Boris? Well, that was early on in my career, and I must mm-hmm. admit that... I've done tons and tons of movies. Yes, over a hundred. Yes, and the mm-hmm. one thing I remember about that was the catering on set. The catering on the set of yes. Tower of London. Yes. Why do you remember the catering on the set? Well, of Tower we of were told we were going to be served codfish, which was local to the local fisheries okay. of the area where we shot. But when I arrived on set, oh no, to my dismay, <laughs> we had salmon. Ah, salmon instead of codfish. Wow. Yes. You couldn't get codfish in the place that's known for codfish. No, I could not. Salmon is it's good. It's a good brain food, but cod it tastes like piss and it makes me mad and it makes me want to act. Okay. Yes, codfish. Trying to wrap my brain around this. So you wanted very memorable first movie catering experience. You wanted the worst fish because it would make you act better. Is that what you're saying? Anytime an actor is thrown off their equilibrium, the way they live their day-to-day life, it means we're going to get something else from them. Mm. And I wanted to reach deep inside my dark soul and pull something out that no one in this world would be ready for. <laughs> mm. Well, interesting. I know Hitchcock had a similar philosophy like yeah, where he would, <laughs> he would put like, you know, his actresses in like really cold water to get like a, to get like a, an, uh, a, a sincere surprised reaction yes. out of them. Stuff like that. And so you're saying that eating terrible codfish gave you that same kind of sincerity yes. in, your, in your performance. I can I can double down on this because when okay. we were doing road plays. Road plays. Yeah. Mm. We would, you know, take the, somebody would take the lunch order for all the actors. Mm-hmm. Somebody, you know, they'd go out and get the lunch. And then we would purposefully serve everybody not the lunch they wanted. Oh. You would, can, you would, you Moliere yes. would, would mix up people's lunches on purpose. On purpose to get right. a better performance out of them. You need to make people miserable on the road because then they enjoy the play, the the, the acting better. Yes, mm. I, I quite I agree with right. that. Because if they're having if, fun when they're traveling, it's going to be a horrible show. You need to, the joy to be on stage. Yes. So yeah, mm. I, yeah, I was making people miserable. Mm, I, I love it. The I, entire time. I was good at it because I learned that from my parents. Because mm. they made you miserable. That's right. Interesting. Uh, well, I do have follow-up questions for that, but I want to uh, uh, just finish sure. up talking about uh, Tower of London real, real quick. Yes. As this was your first horror film. Yeah, we don't even know how tall of a building this was. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, you know, it, uh, when you watch the movie, it's yes. supposed to be hundreds of feet tall. Uh-huh. But it was a set, and it was maybe about 10 feet tall, the size of a regulation NBA basketball hoop. Interesting. Wow. I see. Uh, the magic so yeah, of movies. So, so you don't remember anything about this except for this uh, this uh, this experience where you get the better fish, but you don't want the better fish, you want the bad fish. Mm, the bad cod. Uh, the, the bad cod. Um, but it was your first horror movie. Did you did you feel anything? Was there a spark? Did you did you get an inkling like, oh, maybe this is a fun thing that I want to keep on doing and being really serious? <laughs> oh, Jared, 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 you ask silly questions. Of course, I felt um, every hair on my body stick up. Mm. 
And what I felt in my pants was a whole other thing. And this is where I started to get boners for horror. <laughs> wow. Oh, so Vincent, I was aroused Vincent is Bryce. what I'm saying. Vincent Bryce. Mm, yes. You're saying that on the set of Tower of London, yes. your first horror movie. Mm-hmm. With the bad got, fish. Where, yes. you, where you got an the erection. Con- because you were so happy to be doing a horror movie. Yes. <laughs> where you developed your regular boners for horror. I mean, what's wrong with this? I mean, I started, this is where I found my calling. I knew that horror was for me. It's not, no, I don't have any problem with it. Up just wanted, until. Just wanted to clarify. I'm sure the directors noticed you getting an erection and thought to himself, this kid's a natural. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was the thing. For there horror. Was many shots that were just above the waist yes. where I was allowed to let things free, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Nothing that a director likes more than working with a fully erect actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just makes their job a lot easier. Yeah, that's, Spielberg, what I, that's what I'm that's told. Spielberg's whole thing. That's his thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why uh, in Jaws, he always had nudie magazines in, inside the mouth of the shark. Mm-hmm. Wow. Or, oh, yes. uh, for uh, Roy Schneider. And um, that's the guy's name, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I think so. Yeah. yeah. That's, and, uh, we had a similar thing on The Raven, where we made The Raven wear a set of fake breasts and would fly around. <laughs> Arousing the cast. Oh my wow. god! Nothing. I can't imagine anything hotter than that. Mm, nothing just, hotter than a yeah. raven, raven with wearing fake, fake breasts. breasts. A lot of times when uh, I was working on a play, I would uh, suggest that the theater cut a hole into the stage so <sighs> the actors could just walk around waist level, yes. so the audience could see what was going on <laughs> below. And they could, they could have whatever size boners they wanted. That's down right. There. Keep it uh, interesting. You know, yes. keep the audience guessing. The tension little, of what's going on down there. Yeah, similar <laughs> to similar to Jaws. What, their, what, their, what do their feet look like? Oh, oh their my feet. God. So mm. many questions. So, oh, what are you? So what, similar to Jaws? Uh, no, no. I was just saying oh. that similar to Jaws because you don't see the shark and it built suspense. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. But let's go back to Moliere for just a moment. So according to the Wikipedia. Uh, you know, you are living in the bourgeois life. You were studying to be a lawyer. This is it's just a lot of wine, but go ahead. Of course. Yeah. And wine. so at uh, at 21 years old, you decide to abandon your class, abandon uh, your social standing, abandon your studies, and you decided to pursue a career on the stage. Um, and so you and an actress named Madeline Bejar. Uh, decided to start a theater company together. Yes. Um, and that's a pretty big leap for somebody who presumably has no theater experience and the wikipedia doesn't say yeah. anything about your theatrical life before that moment so i have to ask was there anything that happened before this moment or was this just a a complete and utter uh, a leap of faith a, I, ju- a, a shot in the dark i gotta tell you i don't you might not believe this but it's a, it was actually it was an accidental thing it was an accident we were doing in law class we were doing role playing exercises. Ooh, okay. And I was to be playing the part of somebody who sort of like quits law school, walking out of the do- uh, doors with their middle fingers up, you know, just sort of like, I, well, I'm going to start an acting company. Mm. And, um, so I was role playing. Can I can I uh, pump the brakes for just a uh, just one second? Sure. So, in what context was this necessary for a class? In law, yeah, that you would need to do a role play where somebody quits their law career to go start a theater company. Never found out. You never found out. I committed mm. so hard and left. That's I love the yeah. commitment. So it was just sort of like I do remember like you know, the instructor was like, "All right, this is what we're doing." And I'll, afterwards, I'll explain why. <laughs> but I don't know. I just got caught up in the moment, and then you know, my co uh, you know partner. Uh, Madeline Bejar. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. She her. she um, Jerry Maguired me in a way, oh. and sort of just like bought into it, and just stood up and was like, "Yeah, I'm leaving too." Oh, so I, it was anything. Oh. It was her actually. Like I was just playing the role of somebody who was quitting law school. Yes. And, and then she, she was just like, "We're going to start a theater company." Mm. And I was like, "All right. Well, I I mean, nobody's telling me to stop. Like, okay." You know, someone someone else's turn. Good job, Moliere. And I just kept on walking out the class. Right, fuck you, everybody. I'm uh-huh. out of here. Rebel. And then we left. Can I uh, can yeah. I offer a hypothesis for why this was in your law class? 
Okay. Exactly this reason. Because he wants to see who wants to be an actor. Oh. And he's like, and he's like, you know what? I've done this exercise. The why was so simple. In my class <laughs> right. every day for 15 years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is the first time anyone's ever done this. this yeah. The, but this is the reason why. Right. Just to see if there's any people in here who desperately want to be an actor and they don't have the courage. Who knows? You know? I would have well, signed you up for one of my films right away. Oh, well, thank you. Mm-hmm. That's, well, very so com- that's very I generous. guess like a, a more interesting part of the story is that we put on a show next that next week mm-hmm. and we sold out because the whole class came to just like is this what's going on they we thought they were <laughs> getting pranked but it was an actual play oh wow yeah Wow. Uh, but I mean, I read on the Wikipedia that the things did not then, go. Then, then people heard it was a sold out show. Then yes. people came. Yeah. But one, go ahead. one thing. You, yeah. Oh, go, I'm sorry. No, please no go ball. ahead. One thing friend. I wanted to suggest was maybe you should update your Wikipedia with this information. But I must say, I'm quite teased by the mystery of your life. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, this well, guy finds horror everywhere. And you, yeah, mm, like a. Uh, Aroused by yeah. the mystery of his life, <laughs> like a uh, like a like a like an abused child mm. or somebody coming back from a war, they see horror everywhere. That's right. Uh, so unfortunately, things don't go well for your uh, theater troupe at the very beginning. You go bankrupt in two years, yeah, and you're thrown in jail for a night mm. um, because of the unpaid debts, right? Uh, but it's, it's we only... called that debtor's jail back yes. then. Oh. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Um, and there's, but but somebody pays the debt, <laughs> yeah, uh, and so you only spend 24 hours in jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's some debate as to who paid the debt. So I just wanted to get a quick um, uh, confirmation on who it was. Uh, the two theories that we have right now are: it was your wealthy father, okay, who paid the debt, right, or there was an actor in the company and their lover paid off the debt for the theater company. Uh, can you confirm with us if it was one of those or something completely different? It was actually my father's lover. Your oh, father's lover he paid the debt. Yeah, the twist. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both. And it true. was because my father was like absolutely let him rot. He put himself there, and so my <sighs> father's lover did it to sort of say, you know, f you to my father. Mm, lots mm-hmm. of middle fingers. Right. In your Which, life. Yeah, that's right. Which. My mother was happy about. My mother was happy that I got out of jail, and my mother and my father's lover did not like each other. No surprise. Oh wow! So it was. It started, and then I wrote a. Pl- so it was like, wow, what an interesting love triangle. So I wrote a play yes. about that, and it was you know who's getting Junior out of jail. Was and it, the was twist that, was it was the father's lover. Was yeah. that the name of the play? Who's getting Junior out of jail? Yeah, that's right. Oh, mm, how fun! Sounds yeah. quite. <laughs> Exasperating. <laughs> uh, can I ask you before we're gonna have to take a break pretty shortly? Um, but I wanted to ask you about one of your non horror projects, yes, please. Uh, oh, back Mr. Price. Price. Uh, who, yes. Which one? Wow. What yeah. he's describing is quite <laughs> oh, horrific. You know, I'd love to hear when we get back from break. I want to hear if you did any horror stuff, uh, when you were writing plays well, in well, France. Uh, spoiler alert, I dabbled nice. Mm, and so during the break, wait. I would like to hear about your time <laughs> in prison. <laughs> uh, so, Mr. Price, I read on your Wikipedia that, um, you did the narration at the uh, Tombstone uh, Museum at the OK Corral for the Tombstone uh, histogram describing the famous shootout. Is that right? Yes, oh yes. I find that really hard to believe because you're such such an esteemed actor. You have, you know, uh, so much uh, incredible, a body of work. You can do whatever you want. Mm, Yes, that's quite right. I can do whatever (laughs) I want at any time. And you decide to narrate the the shootout of the OK Corral. Oh, he decided to do it? He just showed up? Well, that was the thing. The town of Tombstone actually tried to get a restraining order against me for showing up. (laughs) Mm, ah, And I was like, mm, restrain. "Mm, Yes, restraining order. (laughs) Little did they know that was only going to egg you on more. They don't know that Vincent Price is a man with no restraint. (laughs) Restrain me, daddy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so you, they, nobody offered you this work. Mm-hmm. You just felt it in your bones that you really desperately wanted to go out and do. Yes, well, well it all came about from uh, one night. My wife had bought a new Ouija board, and mm-hmm. we had decided to try to conjure up some spirits, some spooky, spooky spirits. <laughs> and who better to show up than Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp? That's who two showed of up. the men who were at the OK Corral, and I felt that. Since they had shown themselves to me, I need to go pay proper respects by narrating the shootout at the OK Corral. That's an incredible story. Mm, Would you mind giving us a little taste of 
the narration that you gave describing the shootout of the OK Corral. Oh, I would love to, Jared. Okay. <clears throat> the guns were drawn. It was about dawn. The horses had neighed. The shotguns were sprayed. The pebbles flew up from the dust. The women, the whores, and their beds were filled with lust. Wyatt, I'm getting a full picture of this. Mm, That's what I try to do. I try to paint pictures in the listeners' heads. I didn't know it rhymed, too. I think that's really unnecessary that it rhymes. Everything I do usually rhymes, except uh, when I'm talking. That's fascinating. Uh, Unfortunately, we've got to take a short break. Mm. Uh, so we're going to have to cut that uh, short. We'll get back to your horror career. We'll get back to Moliere's horror career as well. Yes. Uh, but we'll be right back with Vincent Price and Moliere on Famous Dead People. Stay with us. Hey, everybody. Just want to take a quick break to remind you to subscribe to Famous Dead People on iTunes or whatever app you are using to listen to podcasts. Rate us five stars. Leave a comment. Tell your friends. All that stuff helps us out a ton. And feel free to hit us up at FamousDeadPeople at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org if you want a specific Famous Dead person on the show or if you have any comments that you want to shoot over to us. Whatever we love hearing from fans. Uh, Also, check out my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is out now. It is hilarious. I hope that you will check that out and read that and uh, leave reviews, awesome reviews on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com or whatever and tell your friends to read it because it's super funny and I want that money. Also, go check out JarrettBarrenson.com for all the latest on my show dates and uh, up-to-date project information. And lastly, if you really like Famous Dead People and you want to send us some money to help keep the show on the air, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash Famous Dead People and click on the Support the Show button. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the podcast. Welcome back to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jared Perenstein, and we are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. My guests in the studio today are 17th century playwright and poet, widely regarded as one of the greatest writers in the French language Moliere. That's me. And iconic 20th century American horror actor, Vincent Price. It is me. Uh, so let's um go back to uh, Mr. Price for just a moment. Yes. So I heard a story about a specific horror movie that you did called The Tingler. <laughs> and the reason why I'm asking you about it is that I heard... If you can believe it, I heard Gilbert Godfrey tell a story about the Tingler. Oh, Gilbert, that's, uh, that's rapscallion. And I want you to confirm whether or not this is true, because <laughs> I can't believe it. Uh, so according to Gilbert Godfrey, the movie The Tingler is about a scientist who discovers a parasite that grows larger when you're afraid of it. And Mr. Godfrey said that movie theaters had buzzers installed in the seats and that during the movie... Uh, you would would speak to the audience and you would say, the tingler is loose in the theater. <laughs> and then people's seats would buzz. Is there anything about that story that rings a bell? Uh, quick, before I answer this, could mm-hmm. you do my voice again? I like hearing other people <laughs> do my voice. <laughs> so Gilbert Godfrey then said that you would get on the screen and you would say, the tingler is loose. <laughs> <laughs> the tingler. You said it very well, Jared. Thank you very much. But this is quite true. Gilbert is not fibbing, even though he quite often does. Mm, notorious fibber. He is a notorious him. fibber, that Gilbert. But uh. he stayed in a bungalow I had in Santa Fe many years, and we would talk every night. But he's right. Uh, that is something that happened. I would creep into the audience. Oh, so you would actually go to the theater? Yes, I went to every single running oh, of wow. the tingler. Wow. Yes. It was something I would creep up and say, mm, the tingler is right behind you. And I would tickle them a little bit. And, just, the tingler was a tickler, and essentially. Like, and like that okay corral narration, you probably weren't asked to do this. No, you no. You just took it upon yourself to just go to theaters. This is something, again, that I yeah. felt... It, it was, now, did yes. you actually think you were scaring people, or did you think you were doing a commercial by saying the Tingler is in the theater? Were you, you, were you doing a commercial for the movie <laughs> in the movie theater? Well, one thing I learned early on in show business is that any PR is good PR. Uh, so, you know, it's one of those things where I knew I was promoting the film while also scaring and spooking It just the seems really wow. inefficient. Like, all the theaters had buzzers put in the seats. Yes. To do this, and you're already on the screen saying the Tingler is losing the theater, mm-hmm. but you also decide to go to the theater yes. and 
say the tingler is losing the theater. Yeah, see, the, the thing was, I like the buzzer idea. I love the buzzer idea. But mm-hmm. the, what I wanted was an electric shock to shock them when they hit the buzzer. Oh, wow. They uh, were against that. Most theaters were against electrocuting. You wanted them to mm-hmm. electrocute the, the people who are watching the movie. Yes, what's better than a good shock? Oh. I mean, one, one dead person per theater... That's pretty good press. Mm-hmm. You know, you would go to jail, that, right. but yes, yeah, so now it everyone regal. else would be scared. Regal, such a pain in the ass. With <laughs> yes, this. AMC not so much. Regal, I've been really trying to get in there. Well, Regal has the 4K that like moved the seats mm, and bullshit. stuff like that. <laughs> it's okay. Mm. No, so I have to ask: Were there any other horror movies that you did that had a similar like interactive device where the the theater kind of coordinated with what was happening on the screen? And maybe mm. like, um, you know, the seats buzzed or there were sort of special <laughs> effects that happened. One of my most underrated movies, one that most people don't remember, is The Comet That Came From the Center of the Earth. The Comet That Came From the Center wow. of the Earth. Yes. That is a surprise. Yeah. It's quite yeah. a surprise. Nobody expects it. When we think of comets, we think of them falling out of the, the sky. Because that's the, the definition space. of right. what a comet is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this one came from the center of the Earth. And none of the patrons in the movie theaters knew where it would come from. But then okay. they'd feel the ground shake below them. And then the 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 floor would open up like hell opens up <laughs> into the Earth's atmosphere. And the comet would rise and then it would kind of sit there. And it wasn't as scary at the end because the comet just kind of pops out of the ground. And that's why it ultimately failed. Oh, just mm-hmm. because the comet pops up. Not and really then, a scary movie. Yeah, it's it quite scary. a failure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, failures are very scary in their own way. Oh, wow. Uh, that's fascinating. Uh, let's move back over to uh, Moliere for a moment. Sure. So the next 12 years of your life after your theater company goes bankrupt, but you're yes. bailed out of jail, uh, you perform theater in the provinces. We already talked about mm-hmm. that's where you premiered your play, uh, Sad Baby, Serious Lawyer. That's right. Uh, yes. But it's also during this period of time that you meet your benefactor, uh, Armand, the Prince of Conti. Yes. Uh, and so we don't we don't have a lot of the plays that survive from this period. We have uh, the Bungler. We have the Doctor in Love. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's uh, you know just based on how long you were you were touring for. That has to be a small collection of of shows. Oh, sure. That you did. Can you tell us exactly what your benefactor, what your patron Armand saw that made him want to support you? That made him want to put money into you doing more theater. Well, it was, and this is also, I don't know, it's pretty interesting, you know, how fate intervenes in a way, but uh, mm-hmm. we looked exactly alike. You and the Prince of Conti looked exactly alike. That's right. Wow. Yeah. So, um, you know, he knew I was a playwright, and he was like, well, you know, have you ever thought of doing a Prince and a Pauper type of play? Mm. And I was like, let's switch roles and figure stuff, you know what I mean? Like, well, because he wanted to write. Oh, so, uh, so he offered is, to Prince and Popper with you. That's right. Where you would become the Prince of Conti for a little while, yeah. and he would be Moliere for and a little we'll, while. And it's sort of like, let's write about it. You know what I mean? Like, okay. figure it out. But while I was him, I asked my parents for money for Moliere. And uh, when we switched back, he was like, ah, touche. You <laughs> so know what wait, I mean? so yeah. he, didn't even, he didn't even choose to... To patronize you, right? You just you set up that arrangement while you were pretending yeah. to be him, and then he decided to like you know, ah, eh, let's we'll we'll go along with it. You know that makes a lot of sense because, um, according to the Wikipedia, you two have a falling out, and he joins the church, uh, and the church was very anti Moliere because of uh, the things that you were saying were very risque. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. but did any of that have to do with the fact that you tricked him into funding your theater company? No, I accidentally ate his lunch one day. That seems like a small small offense. I know. And uh, blown out of proportion. Mm -hmm. We never really, um, you know, reconciled. Gotcha. Uh, So you're saying there's bad blood there. Yeah, I guess so. Was there any blood ever spilled between the two of you? Um, Not, uh, no, not really. Hmm. Can I ask you about this? There's a detail in the Wikipedia. It says that... He decides to become religious and align himself with the church. Right. Because after, well, not because of, just after contracting syphilis from a prostitute. Mm, yes. And so I'm wondering, like, is this something that was like common knowledge? Like, oh, he got syphilis, so now he's got to be religious, like that sort of thing? All right. Well, here's the real story. Mm. I, I, all right. I did have his lunch one day, but it was also already after having spread 
this news to everybody. That, so you already told everybody that he had syphilis? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And the lunch, I think, was the last straw. I was kind of a... We were just dicks to each other. You're on the road for so long. You know what I mean? And uh, I think he was upset that I was getting a lot of the notoriety of, of um, you know... I, and I was probably a little jealous that he had a cushy, you know, rich life. A princeship, if you will. That's right. It's a life that you had, though, Moliere. Like, you gave it up to be in the theater. Well, I mean, I was an aristocrat. I wasn't a prince. That's but, true. Yeah. That's true. Bourgeois yeah. life, different than royal life. That's right. Uh, let's move back over to uh, to Vincent Price for just a moment. So <laughs> yes. one of your notable non-horror works was on the Adam West Batman television show. Mm, I know uh, exactly where you're going with this. Where you played the villain Egghead, mm-hmm. uh, which is a Batman villain that I am not familiar with. Molière, do you know Egghead, the Batman villain? Well, I can't say that I know it from the comic books, but I do know it from the Adam West show. Okay, I yeah. was the one who essentially came up with Egghead. So oh. wait, so you developed Egghead, yes. the, the character? I won on a set in uh, 1956. I remember wearing a man's bald cap, mm-hmm. and I would walk around, and I would say, "Hi, everybody, I'm Egghead." <laughs> so you did a different voice. Mm, yes, you did like a southerner voice. Yeah, because people are so used to my voice, my scary, horrific voice, and I wanted to do something a little different. To like, "Hey, everybody, I'm Egghead." Did anybody go, wow, that guy, that guy from, from Texas looks exactly like Vincent Price? Mm, nobody really caught on until I took the bald cap off and revealed uh, myself. I see. To be Vincent Price. So what was Egghead's shtick? Like all the all the Batman villains have like a thing, like, you know, the Joker laughs, all of his stuff's kind of funny. The Riddler mm-hmm. does riddles, you know. Egghead's the- thing was that he was really good at the stock market. He was really <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah. Yes. And Batman couldn't handle that. Insider trading or no? Yes. He was just, oh, okay. That, oh, so that's, that's illegal. Crime. That's yeah. definitely illegal. All yeah. the illegal Wall Street things. Wait, so, Egghead. Was, so Egghead was Batman stopping white collar crime? Mm, yes. Wow. Egg, crime is crime. That's you very know? progressive. I had yeah. no idea that that was in that show. Yes, the, the 1960s Adam West Batman is quite progressive if you go back and look at it. Oh, well, interesting. Mm, they let women dance on it. <laughs> that's true. That's true, which at the time, mm, no, frowned no. upon. Definitely not on television mm. wow that was the first show now i have to ask huh. so there's a story where you were playing egghead mm-hmm. and you had all these eggs mm-hmm. on the set and you started throwing them at people yes uh were w- did egghead shtick involve also having eds in a different in addition to being good with the stock market or well, were those eggs there for a different reason well originally they were brought there because adam west said you're egghead you're a villain i need you to bulk up he wanted me to bulk up and get jacked and you know, I he wanted Egghead to be to be to be Diesel. Yes. He wanted him to be thick. The idea is that Egghead's a very smart individual. Mm-hmm. Okay, but also Adam West saw him as powerful, mm. one that could not only outmatch Batman with wits, but also with brawn, with strength. Yes, right. So he wanted me to drink ten egg yolks a day. Oh my god! Which I I've heard is. Not good for you. <laughs> but I never really paid attention to any health organization. So I tried doing it for two days. Mm-hmm. I developed a great 12-pack abs set. Oh, wow. But that So you weren't working out at all. You were just drinking these egg just yolks. Just eggs. I see. Just and that drinking. gave you a six-pack. 12-pack. 12-pack. Double the average six-pack. Double, double the wow. uh, six-pack. Mm. All right. Yeah, that's incredible. Yes, that's an amazing story. It was something that I felt like was selling out my my soul, really. Mm, it's not who Vincent Price is. No, it's not. I'm more ghoulish. I'm I'm gaunt. I'm scrawny. I'm, I'm not slender. a sex symbol. No, you know? don't make me. There's into a lot one. of people that want to have sex with me, but oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. I, I felt like my chances would dwindle if I had a twelve pack. Mm, wow. Possibly the only person in the world. Whose chances would dwindle with the ladies mm-hmm. if you had a 12 pack? You're quite right. Uh, now, just very quickly, we touched on this earlier, but I wanted to ask you know, Moliere, you've done tragedies. Yes. You know, you're famous for your comedies. But we right before the break, we were talking about if you had done any horrors, if you would dabble into any horror, because we got Vincent Price here. Mm, yes. Sure. And so, you know, and you're a famous, uh, a famous player, right? Did you ever try? Any horror material? You said you may have dabbled. We d- yeah, we da- we did a few we did a few horror plays. Horror plays. Um, <laughs> do you, uh, Jarrett? Do you know the nineteen f- eighties film Sleepaway Camp? I do know <laughs> yes. the nineteen eighties film Sleepaway Camp. So it was that was spoiler alert. Yes, the uh, the dude is an ugly chick, right? <laughs> right, right. That's oh wait, the- am I thinking of a different movie? No, no, that's Sleepaway Camp. So the that that's based off of uh, um, one of our horror plays. Mm-hmm. 
uh, which is was called Sleep Somewhere Else Camp. Sleep Somewhere Else Camp. And it, the 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 gender twist was not part of uh, the play. Okay. The actual scary thing was just sort of like having to go sleep in an unfamiliar place. <laughs> uh, you know, because camp really didn't exist for kids back then. Uh-huh. So is this more of like a scary thing for like parents or just b- sending their kids off into the fields to sleep? What's mm. going on here? What more you know? terrifying than yeah. sleeping somewhere you're not used to, <laughs> right. especially as a small child. And then <laughs> right. even, even if nothing happens, that's a lot of tension. Yes. You know? Like, so, yeah, like what's going to happen to these kids? Where why are they being made to go sleep somewhere else? So that was the the premise of the play. Yes. What actually happened in the play? Like, would you just see these kids show up on stage in what looks like a forest? The, yeah, the play was a lot of just watching kids sleep. sleeping. And then okay. once in a while, a kid would wake up and go, oh, geez, what? where am I? Oh, what's going on? The terror. Like, yeah, a kid would wake up from a scary dream. That sounds horrifying. Yes. <laughs> uh, for those of you who are just joining us, you're listening to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. And my guests today are iconic 20th century American horror actor Vincent Price. Welcome. And 17th century French playwright and poet Moliere. What's up? Uh, <laughs> so, 19... Sorry, uh, Moliere. In uh, 1658, you return yeah. to Paris. Mm-hmm. You perform for the king at the Louvre. Yes. This is obviously a big deal. So you decide to perform The Doctor in Love, which is yes. one of the plays that you develop when you're on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us anything about that show? What it's about? Maybe why you thought that Louis XIV would respond well to The Doctor in Love? Well, it was also... It was, it was kind of an F.U. to the king. Really? Because... Uh, it was, um, you know, for for whatever reason, the king asked us to pay money for the for the uh, honor of performing in the Louvre for mm-hmm. him. Um, so, you know, Doctor in Love is about uh, a doctor who decides to um, pay his patients uh, for coming in uh, and uh, getting checked out. So that's the um, terrifying. Yeah. It's kind of it's, it doesn't make sense. It's, it, I think I it's a little too subtle. That's you know, right. if it's yeah, a fuck yeah. you to the king. But right. The thing is, the more subtlety you have, especially when you're going after power. Yeah. The stronger it resonates amongst the underlings, the right, peasants. Right. Mm, yeah. As the maybe maybe the lower class is picking up on this subtlety. Sure. Yeah. And well, your it, message is getting yeah. across. And, you know, it was also about the doctor of, ends up falling in love with one of his patients. And, you know, the king at the time was single, so we were just sort of, like, taunting him. That's kind of like companionship. Twi- twisting the knife? Yeah, yeah. Like, mm. look at this happy couple over That's here. That's right. Gotcha. And Can't have it all. Did the... And which is the, the last line of the movie at the end, <laughs> or, yeah, the last line of the play during mm. the musical number, you can't have it all. You can or you can't? You can't. You cannot have it all. That, mm. that seems like a more blatant taunt and then, yeah. to the king. And then we... Quickly packed up the set and then ran out <laughs> I <see>. laughing. <laughs> well, <laughs> I love it. It's so tedious. Yeah. It doesn't seem like that was necessary because it seemed like he liked the show and allowed you to perform at one of like the better theaters because of this show going over. Well. Yeah. Well, I think it was I think that was his actual like fuck you to us. <laughs> Just like he didn't want to let us know that us making fun of him uh, get, affected him. Gotcha. So he was just sort of like, hey, loved it. <laughs> uh, we want you back. So, wow, that's uh, incredible. Yeah. Um, egg, yeah. On, egg on our face. Oh, I yeah. like what you did there. Yeah. From uh, mm-hmm. your character, Egg. Yeah. Did yes. I never got to put egg on anyone's face, unfortunately. Uh, so you said that the, the romance at, in the end of this play was sort of like a fuck you to the king because he was single at the time. Yes. Was there anything like in the dialogue between the lovers that was like pointed at him specifically? Like, did the woman be like, Oh my God, I love how down to earth you are. I love how you don't live in a castle. It was actually like more sort of like, isn't it great to have somebody? <laughs> and it's sort of, sort of like, I don't know, all these people who complain about dating. Just like 30. It's kind of easy. 30 minutes of that towards the end. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> nice, nice. And then sort of, you know, we d- directed the actors to sort of like look, do sort of like the office kind of like takes to. <laughs> mm, breaking the fourth wall. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I can see, I could definitely see how that would get the uh, the desired effect on uh, on the king. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go back over to uh, uh, Vincent Price for just a moment. Mm-hmm. So in 1979, this is another incredible non-horror um, project that I, I read about on your Wikipedia. Uh, in 1979, you hosted an hour-long 
a television special about roller coasters. Mm, yes, roller where you, coasters. Where you rode on roller coasters mm-hmm. and you talked about the history of the roller coaster that you had just ridden on. Wow, fascinating. Is yeah. that correct? Oh, yes, 100% correct. Okay. And now the horror genre itself is very titillating. Okay. But what is more thrilling than a roller coaster? I mean, one could argue that because a roller coaster, you know, inspires fear mm. and fright. Yes. It's, it could be a part of the horror genre. You know, mm. it's a different way of eliciting the same emotions, right? Well, during the filming of this special, I mm. was writing a movie that never was produced. It was called Death Coaster. Death Coaster. Ooh. And so riding all these coasters was a chance to to really feel what the common man... By, by any chance, was about uh, was it about a haunted coaster at a bar that mm. would just fly oh, through the air wow. and sort of like slice people in? That was something that one of my co-writers brought up. Because oh. he was an alcoholic. He died while we were writing this. Oh, I see. So Ooh, I maybe that, he really had a haunted coaster that maybe. was making him drink less. That was something we suspected, my wife and I at the time. We suspected that maybe the coaster was pushing the glass of alcohol up to his mouth. Mm. And that he wasn't doing it himself. Oh. Quite spooky. It supernatural. A, if I had a nickel for every time, you know, mm. I've, heard that, I've heard that sad story. Uh, so, yeah. I, how did this project come about where... You, I'm assuming that you have a love for for roller coasters. Mm, Otherwise, you wouldn't have done this sort of thing. Is this another one of those projects that they had to tell you to stop trying to do it, but you just kept on going and Mm -hmm. doing it? They were like, Vincent, you need to get back to your horror movies. And I was like, no, there's quite a lot of roller coasters in America, let alone the world, and I need to ride them all. And I, at the time when I, when they decided to stop letting me ride the roller coasters and just do the do the hour-long special. I was in Knobles Grove in Pennsylvania. Knobles Grove, Pennsylvania. Yes, okay. it's a little-known amusement park. Some say it's quite haunted. <laughs> okay, so then what happened at this uh, haunted roller coaster? Well, at the haunted roller coaster, I was infected with food poisoning. Oh, no. From a bad funnel cake. Oh. Mm. Those funnel cakes will get you. They certainly will. Mm-hmm. But that 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 should have been the uh, the climax of the entire television special because it's 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 a it's a perfect combination of your well, love of roller coasters and your love of Interestingly enough, Jared, yeah. that was the climax. But we couldn't cut down the hour of me vomiting to fit into the hour long special. Mm. And I really felt that if you wanted to go out with a bang, you needed to see me vomit for an hour and almost lose my life in seventy nine. Mm, I see. But I'm- CBS did not like that. How wow. much How much of you vomiting did you want to be in this hour-long special about roller coasters? Well, I figured, I knew we only had an hour. I vomited for about an hour and 10 minutes. Okay. Pretty much the whole time. Okay. It was just spraying out. Have you seen a fire hose? I have seen a fire hose. You've yeah. seen it spray a, a, a building on fire. Mm-hmm. Yes. My vomit was like that. Similar to a fire hose. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And so you wanted to have almost all of this special about roller coasters just be footage of you vomiting from one haunted roller coaster. Yes. Wow. Vincent Price is like the original jackass. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yes, right. those guys still owe me a royalty check. <laughs> uh, so let's go back to uh, Molière for just a bit. Yes. Um, I like to talk a little bit about uh, what, what's called your Jealousy series. Mm-hmm. And these are uh, the plays The Imaginary Cuckold, The School for Husband, The School for Wives, and The Jealous Prince. Yes. Uh, so according to Wikipedia... Uh, these are plays that dramatize your pessimistic views about relationships and how any relationship is fraught with lies and duplicity. Um, so do you think that that's a fair assessment of those shows in your life? Like, were those shows a reflection of your own sort of like uh, pessimistic views on being in a relationship? Well, I, I had a stalker back then. Mm. Ooh, tell and, me more, yeah. please. So uh, it was a it was a woman who would show up to every town we were in and would always be first in line for you know tickets. It was just like, ah, oh, Doris, what are you doing? And uh, so it was like I was in a relationship, and you know, you know, my lady was just sort of like, who is this Doris lady? And I was like, I don't know. She just mm. like, I what am I supposed to tell her not to? We didn't have restraining orders back then. Mm. Oh, yeah. unfortunate. And, uh, <laughs> So it was just sort of like, you know, you can't win and like relationships are hard. And even when you, do, you're, you know, you're not trying to make it hard. Someone else is just like, why is this lady following you around? And yeah. like, I can see know. how that would be. Yeah. That would be a difficult like, thing oh, to have in a relationship. Relationships yeah. are exhausting, you know. Yeah. But that's really, you know, you can't help it. You know, it's just sort of like, yeah, say la vie. Right? So yes. your wife, was it at the time or yes. girlfriend at the time? Right. 
Okay, so your wife common law, my common law wife, common law wife yeah. was jealous about the fact that the, you had a stalker. Yes, and that's what inspired you to write all of your jealousy plays. That's right. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Write what, what you know. You was know? her problem that she wanted a stalker too? Oh yeah, maybe she was jealous of your success, Moliere. That's possible. You know, mm-hmm. um, did she ever like try to convince you that she had a stalker? Like maybe that would be a clue as to you know the fact that she was jealous. That she was uh, that she was jealous that you had a stalker. She, I, she would write herself fan mail. Oh my god! And I knew oh, it was so happening, sad. but you have to just sort of like you know. So she's like, "Oh, another letter. Mm. Oh, this person really liked my performance last night." Oh, you she, know, she was an actor, also. Yes. Yeah. I see. Um, but you know, you just have to. Oh wow, that's you know, <laughs> that's so for, great. Yeah. Mm. So you never uh, you never gave up the ghost. You never let her know that you knew that she was writing letters herself. No, nah, I was trying to keep the peace. You know, no, that's good. Smart right. man. You, did the you right stir thing. it up, you yeah. end up in hell. <laughs> <laughs> you know they say uh, about relationships: Would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? That's right. Uh, let me ask you, Moliere, about your death because you had a very famous death yeah. where um, you're performing one of your plays called the uh, the Imaginary Invalid about a hypochondriac. Yes. Uh, and during the performance, you have a coughing fit and you collapse. You're coughing blood, uh, but you insist to finish the show. And as soon as the show is over, you have another coughing fit and you die a few hours later. Is that true? Yeah, it's completely true. Wow. And um uh, everybody just thought I was pranking them. Really? You know, because when we would rehearse it, I you know, I'm trying to keep a lot of plates in the air at once. And yeah. I didn't really I just sort of like went through the motion of my lines in a way and I you know, and I got to that point and then okay, cough 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 and then I would just go on to other stuff. So it's like I'm very when, jackass. Well, you. yeah. So when the actual performance came and I was actually coughing up blood, mm-hmm. there everyone was just sort of like, "Oh wow, he's really he must have swallowed some ketchup or something," and like nobody knew it was real. Hmm, interesting. You know, wow. Is that what you use for stage blood? Ketchup. Pretty yeah. It's mostly ketchup. Mm. Um, or sometimes you would just chew up a tomato. I mean, it's just whatever you have around. Yeah, yes. that makes sense. Yeah. Wait, so everybody thought that it was a prank. Were they then completely unimpressed by the fact that you decided to finish the play, that finish doing the play? Uh, I think it was just a, a, a regular night. Mm. Like, oh, why would he not finish the play? Gotcha. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, the play's done. Yeah, mm. that's what happens every night. I see. Now, did you think... I, thought, you, I, I walked off stage, and I was like, I need to get to the hospital. Were you at all nervous? Were you Were you like, I, I shouldn't finish the play because then I might I might die. This might get worse. Um, I I was just in play mode. You know what I mean? Just yeah, get, you, you kind of get the that show, rush. The show, show mm. must go To be on. honest, there's a lot more money in death than there is in just a successful performance. Oh, mm. yeah. Uh, you know, we only have a little bit of time left. Oh, no. Uh, so I have no. one last question. Oh, no. no. Let's uh, toss it over to Vincent Price. Mm, yes. Uh, so in addition to being a uh, an art collector, an actor, uh, and a roller coaster expert... Um, you were also a, Renaissance gor- man. a gourmet mm. cook. Yes. And uh, you authored several cookbooks. I'd mm-hmm. like to read you the titles of these cookbooks, uh, just so that we have them on the record. Yes, refresh my brain. Uh, a Treasury of Great Recipes. Mm-hmm. Mary and Vincent Price present a National Treasury of Cookery. Mm-hmm. Mary and Vincent Price's Come Into the Kitchen Cookbook. Mm, yes. And, <laughs> it's ominous. And... Cooking price-wise with Vincent Price. <laughs> yes. Now, with the exception of coming to the kitchen, which Moliere has pointed out is kind of ominous sounding, mm-hmm. none of these are like Halloween themed or have any horror puns in them at all. No. And I feel like that was kind of a missed opportunity. Yes, I tried to do Cooking in the Crypt. Cooking in the Crypt. Rejected by Penguin Publishers. Oh, God damn you, Penguin Publishers. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Penguin didn't get me. Uh, another um, Batman villain. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Could uh, I? Did you have any? Uh, did you have any other tri- uh, a horror horror cookbooks that you tried to uh, get past? Mm-hmm. Get pumpkin past- pies of death. Pumpkin pies of death. Oh, pumpkin. Seventy six different pumpkin pie wow. recipes. Seventy six different pumpkin pie mm-hmm. recipes. Incredible. Uh, but you know, Moliere pointed out that Vincent Price's "Come Into the Kitchen" cookbook kind of sounds ominous. Did that have any 
horror elements to it at all? No horror elements, but more so just sex. Just mm-hmm. <laughs> sex. The cum was spelled C-U-M. Oh, was it? Like jizz. That wasn't. Mm, that's not, uh, I didn't see that necessarily on the Wikipedia. Wikipedia but keeps changing my damn page. Yeah. <laughs> I see. So can you tell us a little bit about that cookbook then? Like, like were mm-hmm. there supposed to be like things that you eat off of your lover or something? Well, a lot of it was you cook whatever you're cooking. Say, for instance, you're cooking a turkey for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. You're cooking it, you're getting hot, you're getting steamy inside okay. of the, the kitchen. <laughs> and then you're aroused at everything. In, yeah. what's, 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 <laughs> you, you get aroused at everything. Mm, yeah. Yes, I was aroused quite often like I am right now. It almost oh. it almost sounds like horror is not your thing. It's just being turned on by everything. Yeah, yes. And horror is just one of those things. Oh, yes. I'm quite turned on by horror, turkeys, pumpkin pie, <laughs> roller coasters. <laughs> The, uh, Bath salts. the history of uh, Tombstone, Arizona. Mm, yes. <laughs> oh. yes. Yeah, well, we should just keep on naming things. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have any more time. Mm. Uh, so that is all for this week's episode of Famous Dead People. I'd like to thank my guests, Moliere and Vincent Price, uh, for joining me in the studio today. Sorry, did you have something you wanted to add? I do Price? have something I'd like to plug. If oh, people sure, could ahead. please order Shutter Network on July 13th, Joe Bob Briggs will be coming back for the last drive through 24 hours of horror. Oh, wow. And some mm. words about those movies from Joe Bob Briggs himself. Oh, you should definitely check that out then. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, of course, am your host, Jared Berenstein. Uh, you should check out my book, The Kelly and Conway Technique. It is out now and it is hilarious. Uh, please find a, uh, you know, rate and review the podcast. Tell your friends. Hit us up at famousdeadpeople at radiofearbrooklyn.org. And we will try to have, uh, you know, we will try to address your questions and maybe have on your favorite dead person. We're here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio for Brooklyn. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. So excited for this app, right? Yeah. Who's excited for this app? Jarrett. Who else is excited <laughs> about this app? Sean. And who else is excited about this app? Matt. Yeah. <laughs>